Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. With me are them couples, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and some other guy. We don't know why he's here. His name's Terry. This week we're here to talk about Spyfall Part 1, written by Chris Chibnall, directed by Jamie Magnus, aired January 1st, 2020. Sam. Jake. What'd you think? It was great. I really enjoyed it. I watched it with Cody, who was a total bummer last night, and he kept pausing it every three minutes because he thought that it was halfway over, <laughs> and it was only every every two or three minutes. I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's the end. Thanks. Is that the tradition? See if you can pause it at the halfway point and then <laughs> no, <laughs> do that's, something? No, that's the, we decided to watch it when we were very tired, and he wanted to make it halfway through. Let it be known, I was not <laughs> tired when it started. Oof. Cody, what'd you think? It was, it, it ramped up. It ramped up, Jake. It took 30 minutes. Did you like it? Jake, it ramped up. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I'm pretty sure I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I did like it. Jake, my final answer is I liked it. It wasn't bad. Appreciate the thoughtfulness. Terry, what'd you think? I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Oh, it no. was super fun. What's wrong with that? Oh no. I I did. I really liked it a lot. And just sets were really fun to look at. And we got to delve into Yaz a little more. And she actually did stuff. But yeah, it was just super fun just to watch everyone and the new suit. Oh my god. We'll get there. Stop listening things. No, no. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what I thought. This is what I, I'll hold it, but no. We have to we have to compile a list of every time Terry's response to if he liked it is I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> I think it's every time. And then, <laughs> and then list something about the outfits, because that was his favorite part of the episode. Joe, what'd you think? I loved it. I hated all Huzzah. of last season, and I was pretty sure last season that I hated all of last season, but I tr still tried to be optimistic about some things, because, you know, have to watch this, so might as well enjoy it. <laughs> but I didn't like it. And this episode, already, the first part of it, made that whole garbage worth watching. I liked it a lot. Uh, Alex? Jake, I was debating if this is my new favorite episode of Doctor Who, like watching it again. Better than Tooth and Claw? Is it up yeah, against Tooth I don't and think Claw? it hit me as hard the first time I saw it, but the second time watching it again, like, fuck, man, it's just so good. It's definitely my my favorite uh, Jody episode for sure. You know that Alex likes it if he makes you. So we always make supper before we watch it. And then we watch the episode together at the bar and drink beer, and it's a good time. And, like, literally, I would look down to cut my steak, and Alex would be like, you need to watch this part. You need to watch this part. Like, could not eat my steak, <laughs> couldn't drink my beer, had to watch the entire episode. That's what ruined the episode. That's why it's there not was, Jill's favorite episode. There was a episode. lot of, like... But that's how you know Alex really liked things. it. If he's like, you gotta watch this. Just look up. Did you see that? It. Did you watch that part? Uh, it's so good. The whole time. I don't rewind yeah, she's Doctor Who start cutting her food for her. often, but I did rewind Doctor Who here quite a few times. The part on the plane, Cody kept trying to talk to me, and I was like, shut up. Now you have to rewind it. <laughs> this this is true. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, your favorite episode? Yeah. Yeah. Was, how, how much of an impact did the ending of this episode have? Your love okay, of Tooth and Claw did get a Back mention. Uh, what? Go on. 
Uh, well, first I was going to say Alex's love of Tooth and Claw did get a mention in the Companion Piece podcast that came nice. out today. Uh, <laughs> he is he is name checked. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of with Jill. I hate season 11, most of it, not all of it. Um, but I think the New Year's special from the year before kind of buoyed my spirits a bit. And then this just kind of confirmed that season 12 was going to be different and was kind of headed in a direction more towards what I wanted. I also remember kind of being a little bummed that maybe some of the haters had gotten to Chibnall and that he was starting to kind of do what they wanted him to do. And if this was his plan all along, do one season of like weird stuff with no returning characters and then right away bring back a couple in a row... If that was his plan all along, great. But if it was because he was getting pressured to do that, then that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. What you said was bummer, but what you mean was great success. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's just start with the big thing. The Master's back. What'd y'all think? Oh, it's so good. That's that's an early question, sir. No, let's go right there. That's the I mean, most that's what we part. all want to talk about, right? I don't even remember it's the rest true. of the episode yeah. after that reveal happened. It was the amazing cat and mouse. <laughs> like, so if you've so you've all seen this episode now, and that's what I was watching is how the master is like weaving all of this throughout the episode. And that's why I think it's my favorite because of that writing. Get a shift on. I asked Alex like halfway through the episode, I'm like, I love oh, do we get to keep him? And he just like looked at me. And like had a weird grimace, and I was like, "Do we or not?" He's like, "Just watch." <laughs> that is something Alex and I talked about in our brothers episode because I think I had seen it twice at that point. Um, well, yeah, because we didn't record until four days later when this part two oh, came yeah. out. Um, that it it is fun to do a rewatch and just watch him throughout the episode, knowing what you yeah. know by the end of Ooh, it. Oh, Jake, I did the. So I did the I thing it. that you did. Um, I watched Jill watch the reveal, and uh, it's just so good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I watched Terry watch the reveal and just blank face. He did not get it. <laughs> Even when Sasha says, um, spy master, just nothing. <laughs> and then and then when he goes to the to the fam. He goes, call me master. Then Terry's like, what? <laughs> well, Just shift it, on. Okay. I was kind of wondering, like, why the hell is he emphasizing, like, spy master? Like, it was just weird. Like, okay, maybe he's the one running everything. But I didn't connect master to it. Because, like, in my head, Missy died. And she was on that ship. And, like that's the end of the master. Like he shouldn't be coming back. So like this guy claiming to be the master is like, there's no way this happened. Like we all knew she was coming back. Well, that's what I want to know then is just how did Missy survive this to regenerate into him? But that's the point is it's the master. You don't need to know why. And the whole, like ever since the seventies, the master's whole thing has been every episode. You're like, well, that was it. We defeated the master. (laughs) And then the next episode, he's just there again. And he's like, don't worry about it. Well, and how many times has he like, quote unquote, died or like his face melted or, you know, whatever in classic. Yeah. Oh yeah. We don't know anything about that. (laughs) Yeah. But you saw John Smith die or John Smith. You saw John Sim die twice and come back and like it's just the master that's what he does yeah Yeah. but the master did so good and i saw the arc i wanted to see forever the master became reasonably good and is now not good like super not good like incredibly insane that's the weird part are we okay are we diving into like the message to the doctor right before she got blinked out like, what does he mean by that? And is that why right. he's like this? What was the message again? Every Nothing is as it everything seems. Everything you know is a lie. That could be huge. Absolutely. Hard to say from where we're at right now, but we can only judge the episode by the episode we've seen. And the episode we've seen has a dick of a fucking master after we spent that <laughs> giant slog getting the... Ma- like, an entire season... Getting the master to finally like hold hands with the doctor and be a team player. 
And like the master kind of fucking died for the doctor. And uh, here we are. It's just, it's, it was cool. And it was amazing to see, but it's heartbreaking. I, I kind of, it's so I kind of really like this version of the master because he's so ruthless. Like he was straight up, like, just I don't know, man. He's just just Absolutely insane. killing people, ready to yeah, kill everybody super insane. in a horrible, horrible like he's way. on he's he's on the same level or more crazy than John John Sims Master was for me. Like he's just oh my god. Oh, oh he's way more John crazy Sim, in my opinion. Like his yeah. whole trapping them on the plane was Sim. like in a crazy escape room gone horridly wrong. Like there's no exit, no parachutes, horribly. bomb is sonic proof. And it's just like, what can she do? And it was just like, pretty much just saying, I'm just going to kill you. And this is how I do it. Done. She could take the bomb and throw it out the emergency door. Uh, We will have a tweet later that says they don't like when in this episode, the master, when he gets all screamy. And I think that's my favorite part is when the, the doctor tries to use the sonic on the bomb and he like gets offended. Like, come on, you think I would, wouldn't make a bomb sonic proof and he just like screams at her? I yeah. love that. I think the. that the, Yeah, that's kind of like I'm the sorry, character ahead, change, like both for the actor and for like the character writing yeah. throughout the, is amazing. That, like, there's like the in hindsight from O to the master. Right. Oh. Well, and like you said, there's like little things throughout that should have revealed that it's the master. But it's so, it starts out so small and it builds and builds and builds and builds until the reveal. And it's like, it's just so well done. Yeah. Like you see the, were there things throughout the episode that hinted that he was the master? I, I rewatched it and I didn't get it. Uh, not really like Yeah, plot not at like points, explicit, but. But there are like some cheeky glances and kind of like, um like inflections that make it seem like like once you know what you know you're like oh i see what you're doing well even just when he was talking to graham and talking about like all those journals that he had on the doctor like that was a lot of journals for like all the little stuff that O would have picked up on well and there's just a lot of like it felt like oh knew the doctor more than you like we've seen previous episodes where there's like doctor stalkers but they don't have all of the information like oh knew way too much but i mean he's yeah what was he's, the you know had an adventure with the doctor and he's a you know an intelligence analyst like it's his job to gather information and so it's not like wildly crazy and he lives in the middle of nowhere with no job like that could be what he's doing yeah, that's incredibly believable that not connect to the master. So I'd even second guess that. Can I tell you the part that I hate? Yeah, absolutely. Was it the tuxedo? No, just about the master reveal. Then we'll get to the rest of the episode. Um, She says, no, I read your file. You're a champion sprinter. But why Why couldn't they have put that in the episode somewhere? Like, the, it's just out of nowhere. It's another example of just the doctor just knows the answer. So now it's time to tell the audience when in the first scene when she talks about oh when she's in c's office at mi6 and she's like oh i this is there's this agent oh we did this together and in that as she's listing all that shit off she could just say he's a champion sprinter he does this he does this and then it would mean nothing to us so it wouldn't reveal anything and then at the very end, when she goes, no, you're a champion sprinter, then it would click for us. And we'd be like, oh, that's right. She did say that. But instead, it's just another piece of information that the doctor just knows for no reason. Yeah, that's a missed opportunity. Also, why couldn't he be like, yeah, I got out of shape. But he, he <laughs> or, yeah. turns around and like turns into this crazy laugh. It was really <laughs> weird. <laughs> well, he does say, I lost every race in school. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, rest of the episode, talk about that stuff. It's kind of a really, you really have appreciation for the higher budget spy films because it seemed like Chibnall was really going for like, you know, that 007 
Like the chase through the cornfield rose deal that <laughs> the dude pulling a gun on the fucking doctor and friends. Like that seems pretty unique <laughs> in this episode. He broke a Guinness record for most times shooting handlebars. <laughs> right? I was going to say, he's driving next to them and he's still hitting the front of the bikes. Like, and the weird is thing is on? like, like the the doctor's companions were all like, you know, it's oh fuck, it's a gun, but let's just keep doing this. This is work. This is fine. That's just it's a fucking yeah. Yeah, he's making jokes. That's he's shooting bullets at you. These things kill people. We'll be fine. The sonic screwdriver will save us. I I enjoyed that uh, that party scene because there were a few shots that they like changed the way it looks where it just looks like it, like it, I don't know if it's like a filter or something or what they were doing, but there were a few shots where they're showing like the party and it was like, I was watching Casino Royale or something like that. Like it, it just had like a different feel to it. You know what I mean? Did anyone else catch that? Yeah, I got the vibe. As soon as uh, I saw Yaz and Oh at the crafts table, I was like, okay, yeah, this is like a Casino Royale thing. But I feel like they use a different like camera or yeah. like a like a shooting like a it was like a technical choice to change it and like it was very visible to me at least. I, yeah, it was. It was. I said sapia. It wasn't really sapia, but it was definitely like a filter. Yeah. Yeah, they do that a couple times in this episode. Like right after that, when the doctor goes outside to talk to Barton, it looks like a completely right? different episode. Like yeah. there's this because it's like dusk, but then they they shoot it in a way. To where like you can't see the people in the background for like the the twilight of the of the scene and like the lighting. And then there's a couple times where he does these crazy close-ups on the doctor's face using a lens that kind of like distorts her face. He does it once in the TARDIS, and then once on the plane at the end. And uh I think did this the guy lens just distort a really her face or did she just scrunch? <laughs> little column A, little column B. I loved getting to see some of the fam just living their lives. Oh, yeah. Ryan and his friends playing basketball. Yeah. Graham was at the doctor. Yep. I don't remember what Yaz was doing. Was, she was Yaz in this episode? Parents she was sister. in trouble for not going oh, to that work. Too. <laughs> that was really cool, yeah. oh, I think. That was the, the... And her sister wants to be set up with Ryan. Yeah. He would make a good yeah. brother. What's in the law? odds on them smashing later? What, what do you guys think? Uh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. It's going to give her the full O'Brien. Maybe Ryan would have had a chance at making that basketball shot if he wasn't wearing three shirts and a jacket. <laughs> like, who plays basketball like that? <laughs> <laughs> People with swag, Jake. Learn something. Oh, yeah. That's one thing I, I like. I do think with Ryan, they could do a better job of portraying his disability like, it's weird that it's, like, call to attention, Ryan has a disability, but look, he does all these things kind of normal, just a little bit little bit worse than everyone else. Well, wasn't that the point, though? Like, he's working through it and, like, overcoming it? Yeah, but the, I don't know, It's I, I feel weird about it. There's, like, not enough. It's supposed to, sorry, it's supposed to insinuate that, like, his time with the doctor is helping him and kind of in his quest to overcome all sure. this stuff. Sure, there's... I there's just not really enough to grasp onto. It's like, okay, cool, you, you're skimming it, like you're acknowledging that it's happening, but not really showing us anything at all. Right. But it, it's more about him trying. And that friend of his is like, you wouldn't have taken the shot before, and now you were really close. That's awesome. And it's like, just traveling with the doctors made him a, a more confident person. Well, that's good, I guess. Maybe he'll go out with Yaz's sister. <laughs> I do really like the joke in Yaz's house of her dad not being able to talk to Alexa. Oh, yeah. Because around around this time, there was like a TikTok meme of like people filming their like Scottish and Indian dads <laughs> trying trying to talk to Alexa and Alexa not getting it. <laughs> That's good. Does TikTok have memes? Oh, it's all TikTok is. That was Stephen Fry. Is that his name? I was sad that his character was short-lived. I th I really liked him in Doctor Who. <laughs> Same. I was so shocked. I was like, but 
no, he's going to be so good. <laughs> it's Stephen Fry. You can't. Also, a guy getting shot in the head on Doctor Who, like on screen. They didn't cut away. It was like, Hugh! and then he like laid down. I think it was the neck. All right. Yeah, there was like blood on the neck. He was, Stephen Fry was supposed to have written an episode for Doctor Who. I can't remember if it was for RTD or for Moffat. But he got like halfway done and it just like wasn't going to work out with like his schedule. And so it got pushed. So it's nice for him to get in there and be in an episode at least. I also really enjoyed the uh, the light monster dudes. They were terrifying, especially in the Outback. That was scary. They still are. We still, I, they are terrifying. They never stopped being scary. I think it's. <laughs> yeah, we have not won yet. I think it's scarier because the doctor has no idea what they are. Which makes it that much worse. And apparently the master controls them or something. Right. I like them, but there's aspects to them that I didn't like about. Mainly, like, when they phase into a room, they hold on to whatever image they've passed through as, like, a camouflage thing. And I thought the walking through the picture of the queen was silly. I thought it was great. kind of took away from it. I think that part is really cool. Ah, it's great. It's great. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with silly? I just found it eye-rolling. Whatever. But... Terry hates romps. <laughs> I also don't understand why they're all wearing hats. Like, they're they're clearly wearing some sort of, like, Stenson or they, something like that, and it just seems weird. They chose weird. it to mock us. Stetson. They, they, yeah. yeah. Right. But not all humans wear hats. Yeah, but the funny <laughs> ones do. If that's the case, like, what human are they basing themselves off of? You don't know it's a hat. It is a hat. <laughs> but it is funny because um, the company that Barton runs is called Vor. And there was a classic monster in the first season of Doctor Who called the Vord with a D. And these guys, their silhouette looks just like them. So everyone was like, oh, they're bringing the Vord back. That's crazy. But it's not. It's just something else that looks exactly like them and has almost the exact same name. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What are the chances? Actually, the aliens are called the Kasavin. I don't know if that is mentioned in this episode or the next one, but it uh, that's what they're called. I don't remember the hearing that. They look like Amish farmers. Amish Did the voice farmers. of the Kasavin sound familiar to anybody? No, but go on. Is the face of Bo. Oh, okay. Who is the face of Bo, though? Uh, Strawn or Struan Roger. Cool. Huh. What do you mean, who's the face of Bo? The giant head in Doctor Who. I know who. who the face of Bo is, but, like, the voice actor. Like, how in God's green earth am I going to commit the face of Bo's voice to memory and then recall it through all the reverb they put on these sons of guns? Struan Roger was also the three-eyed raven in Game of Thrones before he got recast by Max von Zito. Oh, yeah, I remember that. What a debacle. <laughs> um, should we do a tweet? Oh, it, maybe one. Maybe one tweet. Try to sprinkle these in a little bit. Uh, Passion Fruit Santa Jar Candle at B underscore bird underscore moth says, I was hooked right away. This specific episode is a fun romp with a cracking ending. Like some of you guys, I was pretty disheartened by season 11, but season 12 is leaps and bounds better. I hope I hope you all enjoy it as much as I do. And shout out to the monsters, they're proper scary. Preach. Before we move on from Stephen Fry, we'll even see a tweet later, and a lot of people will say stuff like this, like, oh, they wasted Stephen Fry, or it's a shame they wasted him on such a small character or whatever. Well, just bring him back like you do with Karen um, You're not going to get Gillen Stephen Fry. And... <laughs> to be like in all of both parts where he has to show up for a month and shoot these two episodes. But if you call Stephen Fry and say, hey, we've got this character on Doctor Who, it'll take you one day to come in and film, then maybe he'll say yes. So it's not so much that he's wasted as, hey, we had the small part, we got an awesome dude, and he elevated the part to make it great. That What a, what a healthy and nice mentality you have there, Jacob. All right, I have to add to that tweet. I kind of totally forgot about the monsters until the tweeter said that. But the monsters were ridiculously scary. Like, are they're coming back, right? Well, are there's a gone? part two, right? We have, like, nothing's uh, been solved. 
it's just, I mean, it makes sense now because it's a master, right? But it's terrifying to have something that the doctor can't read and has no clue about at all. Scary. Those things are scary. Well, everything you know is a lie, so they could just, like, not even be there. Yeah. At all. Although they, they teleported Yaz and the doctor to this weird plane, so... I love that plane so much. Like, visually, it was just so much fun to look at. And, like, the first time when Yaz goes there, like, just the fear in her eyes of just being completely trapped and alone, like, and just so good. Just, I loved all those scenes. You're talking about plane as, like, a dimension? We're, are we talking about the airplane? No, no, no. Or... Like, the... <laughs> the one with, like, the columns of, like, the ribbed... Uh, structures like the tree place oh, okay okay you can't just like freely use the word plane like that when there's a plane i was trying to figure out what the fuck you thought was so cool about the airplane i got you yeah the like the underwater seaweed place yeah place was bother yeah had a, a proper response to that good lord so wreck the poor lady i thought that Yaz was actually going to have a plot line because she got, like, taken to this other world, and they pull her immediately back out. I was like, mm, never mind. Thought Yaz was going to do something cool. Never mind. She cried in front of Ryan. Doesn't that count? The answer is no, it does not. <laughs> Jill has an annoyance with them. Like, so they know the leader is, like, 93% human or whatever. She yelled, like, three times, like, check Yaz now. <laughs> is she still human? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That makes perfect sense. For real. Holy shit. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yaz is probably like 92% human now. Like she came back a husk of What's herself. What's the other percent? That's kind of what I was wondering Jellyfish. too was with all of these other spies, like when they looked at the one woman, she, like all of her DNA had been rewritten. She was just this shell, intimate, like impersonating a human. And I thought when she got transported to this weird circuit board tree place uh, that she would find all of these other spies there as well. But I don't know. It was just confusing as to like what these powers that these creatures have to either to rewrite the DNA of a human being or to transport them and then later on swap places with them again. Like it's just they have so much power that it's just it's crazy to think of what they can do yeah they're they're scary man and the fact that they can get into the tardis i mean it's terrifying seemingly that was fun that That was crazy i forgot about that but have we ever seen anything like that before okay remind me did did they kill people or did they just like transport yes and then untransported her well they know about the two operatives when they showed three in the cold open. And so we don't know what they're doing with them. Like, right. We so don't know they that might they're not actually be. Cause horrible. we don't know that they're dead. Right. Like they're just well, transported the, elsewhere. The lady that they showed was effectively dead. Right. Like she yeah, had no like brain activity. None of her was human yeah. anymore. And like, she was just wasn't there. Like she wasn't in a coma. She was just gone. But we know that they're controlled by the master. So was all of that just a ploy to get the doctor and team where he wanted them? Yes. <laughs> I want to know what this ninety-three percent. As long as there are no follow-up questions, human yes. is <laughs> driving me nuts. I just hate the ninety-three percent human. What's the other percent? We're gonna find out. Episode two, part two. Why are we still talking? Menace. Let's go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> because we need to talk about this tuxedo. Well, Ooh, we didn't talk about the fancy suits. Before we get there, I was going to ask oh, what gosh. you guys... Uh, so, did you guys pick up when when O was digging into Graham on how much they don't actually know about the doctor? Did you catch that when they were having their conversation? Yes, a little bit. Like... Because that I was it twice. to me, that was a little subtle thing of like him trying to drive a wedge between the doctor and the team. Just because they like they like we said it last season, like they don't know anything about the doctor. They're just yes men, you know. 
That's a good point. But the doctor doesn't tell anybody anything about anything ever. Like, that's not new. How much did any of the companions know about the doctor? Yeah, I want to say point. Clara yeah. knew everything Clara about the doctor. Clara sucking that dick. Clara, <laughs> Clara, if you can go back and listen to all the podcasts where I talk about Clara, and I'll say Clara is this overarching, highly important character, far exceeding anything else in the show. Like, they just took Clara and made her the most important thing in the I entire show. I like to think Amy knew quite yeah, a bit. She should like, be. Amy knew a lot. It uh, is weird that they don't River. ask any questions either. Like, this team particularly. Yeah, that's more weird. But this, this particular team of companions just doesn't inquire. And yeah. that is weird. Yeah, they really... Well, they never challenge the doctor, like Alex said. They're just yes people. Beyond that, they also don't ever help solve the problem. <laughs> like, True. the companions we've had in the past, like, sometimes they wholly solve the problem at the end of the episode and or protect the doctor or save him. Sometimes they're part of the team and they're helping out. These guys don't do anything. They're just Very there. True. Or sometimes true. they hold stuff. Yeah, I was just going to say they hold the wrench. <laughs> Or if the doctor's like, hey, Ryan and Graham, go into that room with all the people and let them out of their cages. Like, okay, great. They did that, but it's not like they that did anything the special. Like, anyone could have done that. Very true. Uh, but anyway, the suit, the, the spyware, go. Or, oh, we, well, I'm not talking about the spyware, the, like the cool stuff they got from MI6, but like the, the doctor's tuxedo terrible hate it hate it I the formal it. wear the formal wear i uh, hate it so much the capri I, or like cut off suit yeah. pants yeah i think i went painful. into it already hating it because i just hated the capri style to begin with yes me too and then she There's, has like the tuxedo coattails in the back that hang past the pants and like was, an ill-fitting not very tight bow tie yeah, that was just bad. Just looks sloppy, really. <laughs> mm -hmm. But Graham, Graham's jacket and shoes combination pre-tuxedo was fantastic. Graham looked like a million dollars. Oh, yeah. Seriously. 100% every time. Yep, and Yaz too. Yaz was really fun with her sparkly. I just, Graham's shoes, man, that made the whole episode. Who cares about <laughs> O and the Master anymore? I gave, I don't, I don't care about them. I care about Graham's shoes. It's not really fair, though, because I feel like they do a lot of full Graham, like Graham full body posed shots on camera. Like they're showing Graham <laughs> up. Who wouldn't? Uh, He's a sexy bitch. He's a sexy <laughs> bitch. Terry literally ejaculated when he saw the doctor's jacket. So, Terry, <laughs> give us your thoughts on the outfit. I'm with Terry, by the way. I loved this jacket. I did, too. Like... And, and this is also the customer in me of just seeing this. I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to make that. Like, it looks so sleek and trimmed and put together. Like, it, she just looks great. And it's got all of her, like, fun characteristics of still being, like, a secondhand store doctor and just how she's put together. But she's, like, disguised it by classing it up. I really liked it because it, it is the it, it's that doctor's outfit, but in a tuxedo like, yeah, it, it's like, just it's, so good. It's echoed so well through it. My heart is crushed because the doctor mentioned like there's a wardrobe and and then she's like, like she really put on the impression that they were going to be going in disguises and they didn't disguise shit. They put on tuxedos and went to the party as themselves. Yeah, I part of me also wished that they would have like overdressed for this and not know what kind of party <laughs> it was and show up and be like completely sore thumbs in this whole group. <laughs> like that would have been hilarious. True. Oh, she's got suspenders too. God damn. Does so she good. have suspenders? I mean, isn't that suspenders in the picture? Yeah, she's basically that. wearing Matt Smith's the, outfit. It was that's exactly what I thought. The Capri's killed it. Like everything else, I yeah, I, jacket, I was too like, harsh. Everything else, her? the the really long tuxedo jacket is kind of cool because you never oh, see I that style it. of of sport coat. The pants, the fucking pants. Oh yeah, Graham is killing it. Holy. Mm-hmm. How about a tweet? Uh, maybe Do one. It. 
Is it about the suit? Uh, Make it about the suit somehow. Change man. the tweet. Yeah, he's sharp. Let's see. That's why I work out. I want to look like Graham when I'm Graham. Right? Look like Grant? Graham oh. doesn't look like he works out. So since we're still on the subject of costumes. Um, we're not. We're on tweets. I know, but because you're looking for one. Um, Go ahead. The one other piece of clothing that I truly loved, um, Daniel Barton was wearing it. And it was just this beautiful blue scarf that had uh, four little white squares repeated on it. And it echoed the TARDIS. And I wasn't sure if that was like a thing that was meant to have happened. But I I just love that scarf. Like that fabric was wonderful. Whenever there is a scarf, you mention it. It was so pretty. <laughs> Every single scarf. He didn't mention the one in the New Year's special at all. Um, Didn't he? Was Graham wearing it? No, the doctor was. Oh, okay. Can someone find Graham wearing his not suit jacket, his other one? Like his cancer checkup outfit? Yes. <laughs> With the brown shoes. Well, it's like a brown motorcycle jacket, right? Yes, it was what amazing. What the hell is a cancer checkup outfit? What did you just say? <laughs> it was what, it was what when Graham he gets was done, doing. When he gets done with like his checkup, he steps out of the hospital and they do a full body shot of his entire outfit. And he looks like amazing. And then they turn the camera the other way and it's the men in black with the car waiting for him. I think I remember the... I do remember like a brown leather ankle top shoe. For some reason, that's the only thing I remember, if that's correct. What is an ankle top shoe? I, well, I didn't want to say a high top because high top immediately makes me think of like Converse, like uh, yeah, or like Air Jordans or something. Mm. But you know, ankle top for for when most shoes stop at the heel. <laughs> they stop halfway down your big toe. <laughs> Uh, James Courtney at Mr. J. Courtney, once again, thanking Matt from the Neither Time Nor the Space podcast for actually giving him these notes, says, This is Chibnall's, Chibnall's best script in the era so far. There are issues with it, but it's still an enjoyable romp. Everything is firing on all cylinders. The cast are clearly enjoying the confidence of a successful series. The story is stunning. It wouldn't look out of place in a cinema. The Bond pastiche works for the most part. Akinola borrowing heavily from From Russia with Love, and he gives us his best score yet. Orchestral music, there is a reason we had it for Series 10 before. There are lots of interesting ideas at play in this episode, although how well it pays off is for next week. We have three different villains in the story. We have the Kasavans, who look fantastic in their bright form. Um, realized, surprisingly, not with CGI, but with actors and costumes. Next, we have Vor Dude, played by, he says Lenny Henry, I'm going to correct him and say Sir Lenny Henry. Whilst he's a fantastic actor, I can't help but think he's miscast in this role. Who associates Silicon Valley tech billionaires with 60-year-olds? The role needed someone younger, who fits the usual stereotype. They got that right in the Tenant two-parter with the Centaurans, but not this time. Lastly, we have the surprise return of the Master. Sasha Dewan was mostly fantastic in this episode, giving a nice, subtle performance as O, and then mostly keeping it um, quiet as the Master. The only bit that didn't work for me is the manic shouting. It's an overdone trope at this point. Can we have less of that, please? I also think this was the weakest of the Master reveals we've had in the new series. I'm surprised that the writer of Broadchurch forgot that these types of reveals need far more clues, which the script should distract us from. Instead, the thing that tips the Doctor off is that something is wrong is information about O that we didn't know about. Uh, one other minor criticism before I end. Graham says that the fam are always asking about who the Doctor is. Since when? They didn't try at all. Or in the last series. Oh, well, at least they remembered Yaz is a police officer now. <laughs> Overall, though, much better episode than the one bef the ones before. I agree. I wish that they would have given us more hints. It would have been fun to had a chance to guess that the master was back. Or at least like have an inclination. It was just so out of the blue. Right. I agree with, with that, but the actual reveal like the scene in itself was amazing I agree and i don't with that think too. there's any better scene for a doctor or for a master yep. reveal 
they gave you no choice but to be surprised, which is fine. Right. And I wouldn't say the Missy reveal is better because I think by that point for like, you know, those of us watching it in real time and chatting on the Internet, it was super obvious that Missy was the master from pretty much the first time you see her. So I don't think it was a better reveal. Um, John Sim. Yeah, I guess that's fine. Although the Yana thing is just kind of trumped up bullshit. I like the reveal. Yeah. That like the Missy reveal, they had it over many, many episodes. So it's hard to compare when you're just like, okay, one episode, Master's here and revealed. Well, for a lot of us, the first time they showed Missy in that garden with the clockwork man, she's like, Oh, I'm Missy. The internet was just like, Oh, the master uh, Missy Mistress Master. Okay, it's a master. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are just super smart. Maybe that's why uh Chibnall went with this one was like, fuck you, smart people, you get nothing. But I I also loved in that scene with the reveal was they look out the window and they see uh, his house. So like he has a TARDIS. That's when when I put it together. Oh, so good. Oh, that was supposed to be his TARDIS. Well, what else would fly? (laughs) I don't know. Flying house. (laughs) Because like when he said like everything is a lie, like don't believe or whatever. My brain was like, why the fuck is he doing some sort of like Wizard of Oz nonsense? Because then I was like, Everything maybe they're not is a on lie. a plane. Like the fact that houses don't fly. Right. Like none of that made sense in my head. But now that you say it was his TARDIS, that totally makes sense. Sam, did you know that? No. Okay. What did you guys think it was? I had no idea. <laughs> I just thought, like, right when he said that, he was also like, don't believe everything you can see. I was like, okay, so she's not supposed to believe that there's a house flying out the window. I, I... Well, in New Who, you guys have not seen the Master have a TARDIS, so that's forgivable. But it is spinning at exactly the same rate as the TARDIS new. does when it's flying. In my head canon, it was like the Master had messed up the like they weren't on earth or something so just, it, yeah they weren't like flying they were like stationary but it was like in this weird universe i don't know if that's what i thought that's awesome i'm so glad you brought that up again alex maybe i shouldn't have said anything <laughs> how are we supposed to know no it's fair like everything you guys said totally makes sense like why would you i remember first watching it and seeing that and be like oh it's the tardis because of Clara's like TARDIS with the diner. Like it looked just like the diner oh. taken off. Yeah. All right. We got another tweet here. Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says, This is another long one, so I apologize. So let me grab a sip of water here. He says, Now this is such a jump up from a lot of season 11. It's one of the best Jody stories and just an incredible episode. Even if the reveal spoiled for me. And there was an internet rumor going around about this. I had somehow managed to avoid it. Um, It's still so effective. I think doing something a bit different with who every so often is great and making this story a full-on spy thriller works so well. It all fits with both the mystery and sci-fi elements and having the cold opens back is a nice touch and it makes for a really effective opening. The opening scene of Team TARDIS being collected is great. I like that we get to see their normal lives outside of their travels even if it's just for a few moments, and having Ryan still struggling with his dyspraxia is is good, not letting it be forgotten or written out. And the car chase is so well done too, tense and swift, properly action-based, and introduces, introduces the threats of that part of the story so well. The guest stars are great too, Stephen Fry is always great, and here he is again, even if I wish he had some more screen time. The scene of his incredulity at the Doctor's change of gender is great, and really well played from both him and Jody. The interactions between C and the Doctor are brilliant, and killing him off adds impetus to the story. I just would have loved to see more of him. Lenny Henry plays a surprisingly good villain. He plays the benevolent businessman side really well, leaning into what people would expect, but the villainous edge comes out so well, and you do have a feeling of darkness coming from him, especially during the scene between him and the aliens. He does get a little overshadowed by the plot as a whole... Uh, there's a lot going on, and he does get lost in all the machinations. The idea of aliens changing people's DNA in order to infiltrate is horrifying. Being a race as a person, as a concept, is horrific, and it's shown so well. As much as it gets lampshaded so often, Team TARDIS splitting up is a good idea, and it works well. 
letting us have focus on different parts of the story without diminishing any other. Yaz and Ryan both get a chance to shine in their investigation, Yaz actually showing her investigative skills in her questioning of Barton, and Mandeep's performance when Yaz gets captured is incredible. Really has such an effect, especially in the scene between her and Ryan after... Oh, that's a full stop. Especially in the scene between her and Ryan after. And while Ryan still has comedic moments, Tosin gets so much more to play this time, especially in the scenes after Yaz is captured. His emotion and fear comes through so well, and the conversation the two of them have in the Outback is wonderful. It's nice to have a moment to pause to explore the effects that their experiences have on them, and the connection between them in that moment. I love Tosin's delivery of I'm never gonna let that happen. Pairing 13 and Graham works so well too, giving O someone who is also a little exasperated by 13's antics and letting Graham have an opportunity to learn some hints about the Doctor so he's left intrigued enough to have questions. And that conversation had such a different feel to it after the reveal at the end. You can see exactly where Graham was being manipulated. Uh, Sasha plays that scene so well, too. The scenes in O's hut are incredible. The attack on the hut is shot so well. It's tense, and you can see the effect on every character. And O capturing an alien is great. You can see the joy in his face and feel the triumph that he does too. So much of this episode's magnificence is down to Jody and Sasha's performances. Jody's performance in the final scenes is incredible. Seeing the Doctor work it out a few moments before the audience is fantastic. The way her realization slowly dawns is incredible. You can see her making the connections through just Jody's expressions and the smallest vocal reactions to O's clues. And the final horrified look on her face is so effective. He then says, only a page and a half left now, Jake. <laughs> Sasha Dewan is just magnificent in this. Definitely one of the two MVPs in it to me. You don't get two. He plays O as such a distinct character, and you're completely taken in by the kind and understated character with all the info and expertise the team need. He plays the gentleness and the shyness so well, and he fits into Team TARDIS instantly. The smaller moments all change so much on a rewatch, and he facilitates that by acting as both characters at once putting so much of the master in O, but only becoming obvious when you look for it. The conversation with Graham becomes so much more manipulative, and the line about the aliens being like animals stalking their prey becomes an attempt to unnerve Graham in 13, and when the switch happens, the whole performance changes instantly. You can tell just how much fun Sasha is having in the role. The I have had a lot of fun line is incredible, and played so effusively. The subtle changes in O's expression when he fully becomes the master are magnificent. The Master seems so dripping with evil, but enjoying every second of it, and he so quickly cemented himself in the role. And the final line from him is so intriguing. I'm curious what the Mary's think of it. Having the episode dedicated to Terrence Dix was a wonderful touch as well. I really like this story, and I'm really excited for what you all thought of it. Also hoping you enjoy the Rose episode that came out on his podcast today as we record. That being the Companion Piece podcast, hosted by Ollie and Lily. So check that out. And I had one quick last tweet from Chris at this emo trash says Stephen Fry was underused, but a great first half to a story. What a way to kick off a new season. The big reveal is brilliant and it ends on a proper cliffhanger. This is one of my favorite series. So I'm excited for y'all to get stuck in. Um, let's see. There was one thing in Ollie's tweet that I wanted to bring up, which was the splitting up of the characters. Like sometime or very often in series 11, it seemed very difficult to give everyone a job to do because it's such a big TARDIS team. And I know this episode's 10 minutes longer. It was a full hour, but the splitting up of the two, the two halves of the team, the doctor and Graham and Yaz and Ryan like really works well. And that's what they should be doing. But so often they're picking up these side characters and having one of them split off with that person so that one of our TARDIS team doesn't get anything to do. Yeah. I really enjoyed Yaz's and Ryan's uh team. Like their their whole like going undercover and getting the interview scene was really fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. I think it was nice just for the conversation about uh Yaz's sister. I love that part too. <laughs> yeah. Audibly laughed. It was hilarious. Did anyone else notice uh, the master like super flirting with Yaz? Oh, yeah. Super. You know, Jake, I remember you saying that in our brothers, and I was like, eh, eh, but yeah, definitely in this one, like, (laughs) 
Well, I even besides like when they're playing dice and he says like unlucky and gambling, lucky and love and kind of like oh, right. bumps shoulders with her. Like there's two other times where he just like gives her a look and kind of like a little smile like, hey, this is fun, isn't it? I think that's one reason that I wanted to keep him on Team TARDIS because like he actually brought life out in Yaz or like, you know, at least there was something like someone was acknowledging Yaz. She had something to do. Or someone. <laughs> oh, that's what she'll be saying. Oh, <laughs> could this be the start of my dream of Yaz becoming a bad guy? For sure. She's definitely not 100% human. Jake has a whole theory that uh, Yaz is going to break bad. That would be great. It's supported by being completely ignored by the writing staff. <laughs> At least she would be doing something. The character self-actualizes. Just, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> and I think nothing was made more clear in this episode than that Mandip Gill, first of all, is a better actor than anyone else in the show except for like any of the main cast and like has like what I could only call like that it factor. Like she pops off of the TV screen in a way that the other three don't like she has a charisma that the show should be utilizing and they aren't. And it's very frustrating. Lead that lead actress actor energy She's got she's got big Graham energy. <laughs> Man, Graham's got big Graham energy. Yeah, for sure. Well, he's all charisma. Like that's what he does. He's a game show host and a TV presenter and all that. And like a so like he's made a career out of just being charismatic. But he, like Amanda Gill's a better actor than he is. I agree that it just feels like she's underutilized. Like it's obviously right, not and... her acting that's at fault. Yeah, and we get all, like, we all love Graham because he gets all the best scenes. Like, everything's written for him to shine. Um, You guys want some fun facts? I like fun facts, if yeah. they're fun. Fun, fun facts! Uh, this is the first episode with a cold open in the Chris Chibnall era. That's my only proper fun fact, but I do like to look at all the actors and see if they've been in Doctor Who before or if they've been in Star Wars, Game of Thrones, or Harry Potter. Um, Sasha Dewan is the master. We saw him a couple years ago playing Waris Hussein in the Doctor Who docudrama Adventures in Space and Time. Or An Adventure in Space and Time. He's also in... A big Finnish audio I listened to called like, or it's like a series of stories called Classic Doctor's New Monsters. And it's a fifth Doctor story with the Weeping Angels. And he plays a character in it. And in those audios, they do interviews with everybody afterwards that you can listen to. And he was so excited to be doing anything that had to do with Doctor Who. And this was only like a year before he gets cast as the Master. So that's awesome. Nice. And we'll have another person in season or in episode four who's a huge fan and was like super excited. That'll be a fun story to talk about when we get there. Um, Sasha Dewan also married to one of the. Well, she's not a kid anymore, but one of the kids from Sarah Jane Adventures. So like he keeps it in the Doctor Who family. Nice. So does Tennant. <laughs> they always get for the for the classic Doctor Who Blu-ray releases they've been doing lately. They always get like cast members, some from the old show and some from the new show to watch along and do like running commentary. And they did this one during COVID. So everyone's far apart and has screens in between them, except for Sasha Dewan. And he's sitting with this woman. And I was like, what the hell's going on there? They don't have a screen or anything. I looked it up. I was like, oh, it's his wife. <laughs> like it's <laughs> makes sense. Um, Sir Lenny Henry was Daniel Barton. Uh, he was also... In all of series three of Broadchurch, I like to point out when Chris Chibnall brings his Broadchurch friends over. Can any of you guess who he played in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban? Who is this? Lenny Henry Barton, the bad guy. 
Oh, uh, Professor Donadon. I don't <laughs> Can someone know. Someone who's seen Harry Potter. <laughs> I am. I'm really trying to pinpoint it here. I think he plays like a judge. I would in the Ministry of Magic or something. I would need a picture. I think. I really think he had something to do with the Ministry of Magic. He was the Jamaican shrunken head on the night bus. Oh my god! Get the gosh. fuck out! Really? Never okay. would have guessed I thought, that. That's not even a fun fact. Don't no, talk super to me. Yeah, hey, it's super I, fun. I haven't seen all the Harry Potters. That was super fun. <laughs> uh, Stephen Fry was C. He's also the narrator in a bunch of Harry Potter video games as well as performing all of the audiobooks in the British version of the Harry Potter audiobooks. We get the guy from Pushing Daisies. Um, he's also the Minister of Chance in the Doctor Who Death Comes to Time miniseries from 2002. Um, Lex Lamprey was a security guard. He was also a British colonel in Demons of the Punjab. And last, James Rocky was uncredited as Franklin. He was also uncredited as a teammate in Kerblam, and as an adult civilian in The Day of the Doctor. Alex, give me that MVP theme song. MVP. Alex, who's your MVP? Sasha Dewan. Get out of here. <laughs> he is the MVP. He is so fucking good. I love him. Sasha. Jill. Sasha Dewan. Get out of here. He's so fucking good. <laughs> Cody. Sasha Dewan. Get the fuck out of here. He's so fucking good. I almost spit my beer on that one. The comedy of threes, or the rule of threes in comedy. Sam. Sasha Dewan. <laughs> Sasha Dewan. He's so fucking good. It's good to know Jill has a Sam, Sam impression just ready to go. Wait, okay. Is it my turn? Yes. Yep. Uh, Sasha Dewan. Duh. He's so fucking oh, great. Oh, yes. So she close. Didn't ruin it. Listen oh, to this shit. later, Sam. You'll know why we're laughing. That's a, a fair attempt. Mandip Gill. Fuck off. <laughs> Get in. Who is this guy and who invited him to the podcast? Ah, he lives with me. But no, I have no like choice. She, she has really good uh, range of character, and you really got to see her come out. Okay, range in this of episode. character. Tatters. Yeah, she does not have range of character. She has good acting range. She had yeah, one she, tier, okay. and she was. Jake! Who's your MVP? She had one tier three times. She had three tiers. <laughs> three tiers. No one at a time. Okay. Asked a couple questions. Whoa. What really got me was the when she was in the that place by herself, like you could just see like the, the fear and the angst and the just the dread in her of just like no one else is here. She has no idea how to get out of there. Like she can't fall back on anything. Like it's. She was super vulnerable, and like I just loved it. Like she, I reiterate that's how she won MVP. Man of Gill's the best actor on the show. Um, fun fun fact: almost every podcast I listened to around this time thought that that zone they were going to was somebody's head, and that those things going up were hair. <laughs> those people are dumb. <laughs> 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 my mvp is i was really tempted to go with sagan akinola because yes the spy music's really good but i really like the music when the vord are or the kasavin are attacking the hut in australia like the the music that accompanies them is amazing but it's sasha dewan maybe next time sagan akinola <laughs> it is now time for everybody's favorite pub quiz the pub quiz <laughs> that's what it's called 
in this pub quiz, I'll split these people up into their married uh, coupleness, and one of them will be by himself because he's a lonely little boy. I have five questions and a tiebreaker. These questions will range from what I think is pretty easy to I don't think any of you are going to get it. The first question is, in Hellbent, the doctor shoots another Time Lord with a gun after asking which regeneration that Time Lord is on. What regeneration was he on? Do you remember the total number of regenerations that you get? Uh, is it 12? Yeah, 12? No, 11. And because 11 regenerations, because that makes a total of 12, I think. Okay. Uh, so I think like it was 8 or 10. Question 2. In Nightmare in Silver, the Doctor is taken over by the Siberiad, and Matt Smith plays two characters, the Doctor and the Cyberplanner, fighting over the Doctor's body. What does the Doctor stick to his face to temporarily regain control of his body from the Cyberplanner? Fuck you, Jake. Uh, a tinfoil? Think so? I got nothing. I'm pretty sure it was tinfoil. Really? Because, like, the cyber planner, like, it had, like... Oh, okay, that, yeah, that was the weird, like, swirly had, like, things on his weird face. shit, so he, like, slapped a thing on his head, and it was like, I'm back. I think you're right. Tinfoil? I feel like there's a different name for it, but let's go with that. Okay. Question three. In the lodger, the doctor lives with a man for a few days, played by James Corden. One point if you can name that man. A bonus point if you can name the woman he is in love with. Uh, starts with a C, doesn't it? I don't know. Um, God, I'm going to be mad when I hear it because I'll know it. Question four. In Aliens of London, the doctor brings Rose home for the first time. This is from season one, guys. Doctor brings Rose home for the first time, but they've been away for longer than they thought they were. How long were they gone for? Two weeks? It's like a year. It's a year? No, it's... I don't remember. Uh, why do I think it's like eight months? I was gonna say like a year. Because it was supposed to be one day, but then it ended up being one year. In The Unquiet Dead... Back to season one, the episode with the Gelf. It is the first of what we call in Doctor Who fandom the celebrity historical. Name that celebrity, that historical celebrity, and as a bonus, what is the last name of the owner of the funeral home? Now for the tiebreaker. How many stories... So two-parters count as one story of episodes, or how many stories that were aired on television were at least co-written by Chris Chibnall? Also, it's getting really late. My work in the morning. Holy so shit. So if we could finish this. In All right, let's, get, let's get going. Shut up. In Hellbent, the doctor shoots another Time Lord after asking which generation they are on. What is their answer? Ten. I That's said correct. 11. No, no. Nailed it. Not, not that. <laughs> I said five. In Nightmare and Silver, the doctor is taken over by the Siberiad. What does he put on his face to take control of his own body? Tin foil? Close, The gold no. ticket? Aluminum foil? It's the gold ticket. It that is they a used golden to get ticket. Holy oh, shit. Cybermen are allergic to gold. Only used once in New Who, but used all the time in Classic. In the lodger, the doctor lives with a man. What is the name of that man and or his lover? Craig. It's it is Craig, Craig, right? Yep. And Jenny? Nope. Fuck, Terry. I said Carl and Lucy. <laughs> Do we get a one-pointer for Carl? I you mean, get Craig. one for Craig. <laughs> Terry. The other one was Sophie. Sorry. Sophie. Sophie. Uh, I don't know. In Aliens oh, in London, yeah. how long 
had the doctor and Rose been away for? One, one month. Is it one month? Two years? It's is it one, one year. Ah, oh, fuck. I was Damn right. It. No. no, I said Sam, one year. No, Sam could you never know. You said one month. No, I was <laughs> like one year. No, I said one year. You said one month. I was thinking one, like I originally... Listen to it back. Play yeah. it back. Yeah, let's do Cody, it. Did I, I have I, it? Like, well, no. I yeah. said one year, but then I was like, "Is that too long?" Like, there would have been an I anniversary. Told you. Like, that's what backed me off. In the Unquiet Dead, what is the name of the historical celebrity? Charles Dickinson. Charles Dickens. No. Oh no! It's Charles Fuck. Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> oh Didn't come you on! Put Dickens? You put I, Dickens. Okay, it's the same fucking guy. He said guy. Dickinson. You do not get a he point for that. He said Dickinson, oh but we agreed on Dickens. Uh, okay, Jill gets a point. Alex does not. It's the same <laughs> fucking shit, man. Whatever. <laughs> Anyone got a guess for the last name of the funeral home director? No, but can I call Alex Alexson now? Yes. Hey, man, <laughs> you can't be pulling that shit. Cody said the same damn thing. No, he didn't. Yeah, he said Charles Dickinson. No. Nope, he did not. <laughs> Someone said Charles Dickinson when I was saying Charles Dickinson. You said Charles no, Dickinson. that was just you and your ears. No, oh, really, man. someone else did. Yeah, someone oh, else did. I think did. I said Carrie? it after you said it because I was laughing. Oh, well, yeah, fuck that off. Sounds <laughs> it's Mr. Sneed. It's funny because it's Sneed. Sneed. Need. Wait, that's the name of the funeral home is Mr. Sneed? The name of the man who owns the funeral home. Oh. Everybody needs a Sneed. How many points y'all got? Uh, two? Two. Nice! <laughs> Alright, so we get to do the tiebreaker. Two to two. Terry, better luck next time. How many stories have at least been co-written by Chris Chibnall? Twelve. Twelve. Say those numbers again, separately. 12. 20. It's 12. What? Yes! Wait a minute. Like, wow. so when you say at least been co-written, you're saying we're co-written? Well, he co-wrote Rosa. But he so goes we're not talking about episodes that he... Wait, does he write episodes for the new season? Yeah. Yes. He goes all okay. the way back to David Tennant. He wrote 42. He wrote The Hungry Earth. He wrote Dinosaurs in a Spaceship, Power of Three, Woman. So and then... we're not counting any from the last season? Why would you say that? I have not done reading the list yet. <laughs> well, I figured it'd be more than 12. It was 10. 10 Keep now. going, Jake. Yeah, sorry. He wrote four episodes under other people. He wrote one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight so far as the showrunner. Swiggins win! Alex, give me the paper crumble theme song! This has been a Married to Who episode of Spyfall Part 1. If you want to participate in our socials, you can do so on Twitter, Married to Who Pod, on Instagram, Married to Who, or you can email us at Married to gmail.com. If you want to listen to this podcast, you can do so on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Or if you want to listen to older ones as well as the new ones, you can do so on our website, Married to Who.com. On behalf of myself, Jake, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and our producer, Terry, thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for Spyfall Part 2. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do